Hey, what's the buzz and tell me what's happening? This is Pyromaniac Mo, and you're listening to the 35th episode of the Pyro Light Podcast. Today, we've got another fantasy football talk for you with none other than Dave T. Thomas. Of course, Dave, longtime NFL scout. Of course, if you travel back, we're going to fire up the flex capacitor, ramp it up to 88 miles per hour. In episode 33, just a short while ago, Dave T. and I chatted rookie running backs. Today's episode, episode 35 of the Pyrolite Podcast, is going to focus on rookie wide receivers. So pull out a pen and paper, guys. Dave T. is going to drop some names that you want to pay attention to to get a jump on your league mates. As always, check out the world of pyromaniac.com. we got the draft kit on sale for $20. Of course, every time we update it, it automatically gets sent to you, so there's no reason to wait. Over 20 tabs of mass fantasy destruction, including the top 200. You get a strength of schedule, tiers for all offensive positions. You get busts, sleepers, touchdown dependency charts. PPR rankings for all offensive position, auction values, and so much more. Also on pyromaniac.com, you can sign up for a Pyro Pro membership. $40 gets you 365 days of access. Of course, you can also sample the Pyro Pro waters for just a month or even a week. Now, with your paid membership, you can track over, or I'm sorry, up to 100 players. From across all your leagues, you're going to get sent relevant, important each, uh, important information for each player sent directly to you. You get access to the Pyro Mindshare where we answer all your fantasy questions. Plus, there's a resource toolbox we're always updating. And, of course, the rankings and write-ups done on a weekly basis during the season. We rank in write-up players all the way and including the Super Bowl. So it's an excellent DFS tool as well. Info on becoming a Pyro Pro is available at pyromaniac.com. Of course, information on our draft kit is available on our site as well. We are a fantasy football site with soul. We are Pyromaniac. I am Pyromaniac Mo. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's all letters. P-Y-R-O-M-A-N-I-A-C-M-O. Pyromaniac Mo. Now, today's music for the Pyrolite Podcast, I asked Uncle Dave what he likes. Now... He has a regular spot with the Sporting News. Uh, they use Blue Oyster Cult's Don't Fear the Reaper for his walk-up music, which is, you know, face it, awesome. He also does a Steelers show with Manfred Mann's Spirit in the Night. Now, when I asked him, he said, avoid rap, avoid disco, stick to old school rock. Can do. So I went with one of my favorite Stones songs. The song is called 2000 Man. It's off the album Their Majesty's Satanic Request. Now, the album as a whole doesn't stand up to Beggar's Banquet, which directly followed it. Of course, there's my personal favorite, Exile on Main Street. But the song, 2000 Man, is one of my favorites and somewhat under the radar as far as Stone's songs are con uh, considered. As always, listen in at the end for the whole song to be played right after the Pyro Light Show. Now, before we get going, just want to remind folks to sign up for any new leagues using League Safe and the promo code with Pyro. Now, for this, I'm going to channel my inner co-sell. Now, it's getting to be that time of year. Are you thinking about setting up a new league, but don't want the hassle of asking your buddies to send the check already? Or worse yet, maybe you've won a league and it's been months since week 16 and you still have not seen the payment. If this sounds familiar, then the league safe is for you. A better match between Pyromaniac and League Safe this announcer has not seen in a coon's age. Well, thank you, Howard. Now, if you're setting up a new league, go to Pyro I'm sorry, go to leaguesafe.com forward slash pyro. Once again, that's leaguesafe.com forward slash pyro. Not only will they take care of payment, collection, payout at the end of the season, but they're willing to give you $10 just for signing up with the Pyro promo code. Again, leaguesafe.com forward slash Pyro. You can get all the details there. This way, all you got to worry about is the fun stuff, not the actual tracking and collection of money. Let's face it. Everybody wants to get paid at the end of the year. 
nobody wants to have to call everybody and email and make sure the money comes in, that's where League Safe has your back. Again, all new leagues get a $10 credit thrown into their league balance, so what do you got to lose? Each league must have at least $250 in their balance and at least five unique paying members. That's it. Info is available at leaguesafe.com forward slash pyro. Hey, gang. We are pleased to have joined forces with Blog Talk Radio, and now you can find us on their Fantasy Sports Network. So if you're new to the show, welcome aboard. Drop us a line. Better yet, leave us a review. It truly helps us get clicks, and that's what we need. Of course, everyone at Pyro, we've got regular jobs, but just think of the potential. Think of how destructive Pyromaniac could be. We could be your go-to tool. If we could sink 100% of our collective energy into pyromaniac.com, you, yes, you, can help us get there. Here's a recent review from Beefy Bun. Love it. Has an endless amount to listen to. The guys go way deep, way deeper than the rest in the business. Plus, it's hilarious. Val Verde. Well, thanks, Beefy, or Mr. Bun, or... Hell, I don't know. Ms. Bun? But either way, we appreciate it. Uh, keep those reviews coming in, and I will keep on a-reading. All right, gang. As stated, Dave T. Thomas is back with us today to talk rookie wide receivers. So crack open a Founder's Ale, grab a pen and pencil, because Dave T. is coming up. Valverde. All right, Pyromaniacs, it is time once again to check in with our contact in the NFL world of scouting. I'm talking about pyro favorite Dave T. Thomas. Now, Dave T. is a sports writer, talent evaluator, and scouting personnel consultant for many NFL teams. He now runs the sports blog, the NFL Draft Report, and uh, you can also find his work at Scouting Services uh, online. Check out the NFL Draft Report. It is www.nfldraftreport.sportsblog.com. Tom, Dave T, how's life on the road? Oh, I'm loving it right now because we are seeing not only kids popping up in NFL camps, but it looks like we're going to have a revival of the big boys as far as college goes. Love the tight end crop. Impressed with the wide receiver crop. You've heard what I said about the running back crew last week. Next week is the big boys, the quarterbacks. Everybody's going to be playing. Where's Waldo? Where's the next great quarterback? Yeah, that's the name of the game in uh, the NFL these days, finding that uh, a quarterback to stay with a team for many years, and we'll see who, who uh, picked the right fish. Well, I think what it's going to come down to, too, is that it's going to have to come from the underclass ranks. This is one major concern with the underclassmen coming out in record numbers every year, Mo. Look what we have this year. I sent you over the list. Only one yep. senior player at any position received a round one grade. Yeah, you mentioned that earlier, sort of the NFL, I don't know, having to sleep in the bed that they made once they started letting all these underclassmen come in. And now we might be uh, seeing these, I don't know, bad fruits start to ripen and they're going to have to deal with it, right? I wouldn't mind the underclassmen coming in if they did like the NBA has with the NCAA. Give the ball player an opportunity after the combine to go back to school. Nick Saban has been pushing for that. A lot of the SEC coaches are pushing for that. If the kid didn't oops and has not signed with an agent, why are they allowed back in college uh, for uh, after being examined by the NBA but not after being examined by the NFL? A little bit of uh, class uh, culture over there, but NCAA has really got to look into it. Yeah, a lot of things probably going to change on the horizon, hopefully for the better. Now, Dave, uh, let's talk a little uh, draft night here. We saw the Laramie Tunsil saga unfold before us. First, we had the gas mask story. Then, of course, his fall in the draft. And, of course, finally, we had that little bit about coaches just outright giving him money. Now, in my book, that qualifies as a fairly crazy ride for that young man. I'm curious, uh, what was your reaction to what happened on draft night, your analysis of Tunsil and his past? 
what? You mean uh, Larry Tunsil going out on uh, tweet, uh, Twitter with those uh, pictures? You know, he yeah. says somebody hacked into his account over there. But the man had a way to mask to begin with. I mean, you go back and look at this kid's history. Even before the season started, the emperor without his clothes was exposed. The issue with his stepfather, taking money from boosters even back then. The load of money that went. I mean, the kid sat out seven games. The NCAA wasn't going to do that just to say, hey, why don't you go on vacation for a few months? Uh, he did the Harry Belafonte, how low can you go? Honestly, I love him as a pass protector. As a run blocker, I still say he needs a lot of work. I like to see him play at offensive guard for a year or two before he moves outside. So do you think uh, they made the right pick there? Well, Miami number 13, team. finding a guy that everybody had as a number five, uh, would I gamble? Well, you know, it's the Miami Dolphins. Uh, you got to look at their record in the last couple of years. You have to gamble on talent. However, off the field, I'm a little leery about this kid. I mean, especially after his roommate uh, threw him under the bus after yeah. he jumped out the window at the, the bowl game. Uh, you're staring at a thing over here. I wouldn't say this is the next Demetrius Underwood, but uh, for me, it would have been buyer beware, and I understood why 12 other teams passed on him. Yeah, uh, easy to see why, especially with all the off-the-field issues that are plaguing so many other players. Now, the Tunsil story, uh, first round of the pass draft, one of the crazier things that I've seen, but you know, let me ask you, being out there scouting for as long as you have, uh, anything else come to mind that's sort of in that Tunsil category of, of crazy uh, draft day happenings? You know, at the Heisman and, uh, Trophy uh, awarding over there, I was surprised that a Texas A&M Aggie did not get a box of Pampers when he stepped up on that thing. And I've been the one that has been <laughs> shouting that Johnny Trademark did not belong in the NFL, and he's shown it. I mean, his mother spent more time down at the patent office trying to trademark everything he said than being yeah. concerned about his off-the-field issues. I mean, you look at that. You go look at the Demetrius Underwood situation from years ago. I mean, that guy, that guy is so much Looney Tunes that even Porky the Pig said that's all, folks. You turn around and look <laughs> at Lawrence Phillips, the sixth pick in a draft, and this is a guy that when he was drafted came with eight felonies. Didn't anybody learn from the Maurice Claret situation, the Cecil Collins situation with the New Orleans Saints and Miami Dolphins years ago? you got to look at one thing, and that's why I tell the teams with my service, when I hand you in a campus police report, you better read that from the first day to the last day. Well, and like you said last time, uh, getting to know uh, the campus police is one of your uh, favorite things, one of your scouting moves, right? Getting bellying up with uh, some of the campus security guards, right? If, if I go to a local constable, he's going to try to cover that story up. Why? Because they don't want bad publicity and they don't want their superstar over there sitting on the sidelines once the NCAA finds out. However, you go down to campus police, these are young kids over there. You end up in a bar, you end up in a diner. Hey, uh, what's going on with so-and-so? Oh, man, you had to hear what happened back then oh yeah tell me some more yeah. that's what i love that's, that's the scouting gold we love hearing from dave t thomas now ota is pretty much wrapped up uh, across the nfl uh, we've been hearing a lot of reports but you mentioned a little bit last time about not getting too excited about otas why is that and should we trust the things we're hearing from coaches at this point you know, I consider OTAs in many camps sort of like uh, dating your uh, girl before you end up getting married. Next thing you know, you come back from the honeymoon. She takes her face off and you're like, wow, <laughs> that, that's what happens when you get to training camp. All the love you got for the guys. Oh, this guy looks great. Oh, this guy looks stupendous. Oh, this guy is really coming on strong. Let's see what happens when those exhibition games starts. Let's see what happens when the roster comes for cut down. All of a sudden, coach doesn't love that guy anymore. Yeah, and one thing I'm excited about, we're going to hopefully uh, check in with you uh, during some training camps to come. So that should be a, a fantastic insight as to what's going on. Well, I'm tired of, how could I put it, uh, let's everybody play the three monkeys when you get into camp. If I see something going on out there, I'm going to report it. I'm not going to sit back and try to operate uh, with the party line. I mean, the whole thing comes down to is in this day and age of the Internet, it's going to be exposed sooner or later. So if you're going to be a bad boy in camp, I'm going to let you know. If you're going to be a good boy in camp, I'm going to let you know. If you're going to be Cinderella, I'll bring you over your glass slipper. I love it. I love it. And uh, one of the reasons I love having you on the other end of the horn and getting to chat with you. Now, folks, you are listening to the Pyrolite Podcast, and I am your host, 
Pyromaniac Mo. Give me a follow on Twitter, all letters, at Pyromaniac Mo. Now for all the latest and greatest in the Pyromaniac fantasy football world, check out Pyromaniac.com. And up next, we have NFL scout David T. Thomas on the horn, and we are going to get a peek into his work as Dave T. is going to tell us his thoughts on some prominent rookie NFL wide receivers heading into the 2016 season, so stay tuned. Okay, Pyromaniacs in Pyroland, we are jumping back into our rookie discussion with none other than Dave T. Thomas, longtime scout for many NFL teams. Check out his work at NFLDraftReport.blog. I'm sorry, NFLDraftReport.sportsblog.com. All right, gang, let's get into it. Today we're here to talk rookie wide receivers. Now, last week we visited with Dave T., and we talked about the rookie running backs. If you did not catch it, go on back and check out the Pyrolite podcast episode 33. That was rookie running backs with Dave T. Thomas. Today we're fortunate enough to have him back and we're talking rookie wide receivers. And I'm basically going to set it up in much the same way. I've got 12 rookie wide receivers that are currently being drafted in MFL 10s. So we're talking 20 rounds of the fantasy draft, total of 240 players. Again, the wide receiver ADP is going to be inflated here, not only because MFL 10s are full PPR, but you get to start three wide receivers in a flex. So you could really go with a run and shoot, and you could end up starting four wide receivers. So I'm going in the order of their ADP. Now, on the Rookie Running Back Podcast, I gave you a team's strength of schedule as well. If you're curious about the strength of schedule for these wide receivers, or any other position, purchase the Pyro Draft Kit. Info available at pyromaniac.com. I'm going to give uh, the ADP, give you a couple other wide receivers, going right around there just to give you a feel for that type of pass catcher. Of course, I'm going to remind you and uh, folks out in Pyro land where they landed in the NFL draft and who is on the team's depth chart. Dave T., are you ready, sir? Oh, ready to rock and roll, buddy. Let's rock and roll. First up, we've got Corey Coleman, MFL 10. He's going back of the fifth round, early sixth round. We're talking mid-June here. Now, Doug Baldwin, Michael Floyd, sandwiched right around him uh, going in that ADP area. Corey Coleman was the first wide receiver taken in the NFL draft. The Baylor boy was taken with the 15th pick in the first round by the Browns. Already slated for a starting gig. Uh, Not a lot of competition there. Currently, they've got on roster Andrew Hawkins, Taylor Gabriel, the ghost of Josh Gordon, Marlon Moore, plus a trio of rookies that we're going to get into a little bit later. But Dave T., what is your report on Corey Coleman, and how is he going to fit in with the Browns? Two big issues for me with Corey Coleman. One, the two years of hamstring issues, even back down at Baylor. You topped that off with a sports earning injury last year. And then here's the number that really worries me. He caught 58% of his passes thrown to him in the last two years. I mean, the kid has nine drops during his last two seasons. He has 24 passes deflected out of his hands. Uh, And on top of it, if you look at the Baylor offense, it's basically a keystone offense. Those guys don't run routes. They just run out, and they go, and that's it. uh, His cutting ability, he has good crisp cutting ability, but I think it's going to be an adjustment period. Anytime you look at a rookie wide receiver, you get one of two things. Either you're going to end up uh, with a guy that's going to come out blazing from the blocks from day one, or you're going to have a guy two, three years down the road still trying to come in. Look at Marcus Sweeten with Pittsburgh. He's just starting to come in his own. It's probably the more difficult position to start as a rookie. One, you're overwhelmed with the playbook. Two, we're not exactly talking about the most intelligent factors on the football field as your wide receiver position, evident by the scores of the Wonderlick over the years. Me, yeah. I'm looking at Coleman. I think more so I look at the Rashad Higgins thing. I think Rashad Higgins probably has a better opportunity to produce for Cleveland than Corey Coleman will do, especially if that hammy or the groin ends up going down again on him this year. Well, I think one reason, that's why a lot of fantasy guys uh, like the Browns, a lot of uh, rookies there, I believe, four in all, but not a lot of veterans on that team are going to demand playing time. So there's some certain, some opportunity there in Cleveland, is there not? 
Uh, yeah, but I'm looking at a thing of RG3 and McNown at quarterback, and I'm yeah. turning around and looking at they took Kessler in the third round of the draft. Did that, does that tell me we're going to have musical chairs at quarterback? RG3 is not a, a quarterback in this league. I mean, Tim Tebow is a better quarterback than RG3 is. And then you turn around and look at the aging veteran behind him. This guy hasn't been able to stay healthy. And if you look at his track record, it reminds me a lot of Ryan Fitzpatrick, a guy that put in his dues as a backup, finally got an opportunity to start but look at the team that he had an opportunity to start for it's not exactly what we call a powerhouse demo yeah and a lot of times that's going to really make or break a wide receiver's career look at jerry rice teamed up with uh hall of fame quarterbacks and then some of these other guys you know tim brown had a great career but never really had a good quarterback to really kick him up so that's certainly important and the browns are lacking in that area as you say Laquan Treadwell. Uh, oh, I'm skipping. No, no, that's the right one. Laquan Treadwell. He is the second guy being taken in MFL 10s. He's going early sixth round. Now, early sixth round. So we're talking about Hearns territory, John Brown territory. Now, surprisingly, although he's going second in MFL 10s, surprisingly, he was the fourth wide receiver taken in the draft. The Vikings scooped him up with the 23rd pick in the first round. Uh, he went right at the tail end of that run there. We had Coleman go 15th, and then Fuller and Doxon 21 and 22 going right before him. Uh, the Vikings were 32nd in pass attempts last year. Now, Treadwell already slated to start opposite Diggs. Of course, they've got Jarius Wright and uh, disappointments, uh, Charles Johnson and Cordero Patterson. Now, personally, I love me some Treadwell, whereas a guy like Mike Wallace, he was kind of a pair of black shoes in the Browns suit world of the, the Viking in a brown suit world of the Vikings passing scheme. Treadwell's run after the catch ability could really be utilized if Bridgewater can get him the ball quickly, I think. Now, what's the scouting report on Treadwell and how do you like him in Norb Turner's offense? You know, I go back and look at the uh, gruesome injury that he had in 2014, and most players coming back from that type of injury, it's two years before they're fully recovered. So this is a guy that I'm going to keep a close eye on in training camp. I am not that type that will sit there with a stopwatch on a guy. I want to see his ability to break tackles. So I want to see his ability to go over the cornerbacks, and that's what Treadwell does. Yeah. You know, you go back and look at the stopwatch. I've seen guys at the combine run 4-3. I put the equipment on them, they run four sevens. I've seen guys run four six. I throw the equipment on them, they run them four six ones. Treadwell's a guy that carries his equipment well, especially after Cordero Patterson did sing your crappy pants since he got into the NFL. <laughs> I gotta look at Treadwell. I gotta look if he returns healthy. Stephon Diggs and Jarius Wright all being the go-to guys for Bridgewater this year. Treadwell brings the size. Diggs and Wright, they bring the speed. Yeah, and like you say, don't you think that was probably the reason for his fall is he didn't perform well in the Underwear Olympics? You know, that's my problem, and I tell people that. Why do you put your scouts out there for four years looking at these guys and then bring a coach in who has never seen the guy play, probably still has not even watched any film, and he sits there with a stopwatch in his hand and sees what the guy does in his BVDs? Yeah, I, I'm with you. Far too much concern Paid in that area, and Treadwell, just tape on him. What he does after the catch is phenomenal. I love watching that kid. Well, the big thing is he's physical. He's like a Keyshawn Johnson type uh, that you see out there on the football field. Does a good, much better job than Keyshawn does in keeping his feet and bounce along the sidelines. I think that this is going to be the go-to guy for Bridgewater this year. I agree. I really like this matchup, and uh, ho hopefully good things to come in the Vikings. I really am eyeing Treadwell as one of the maybe two, maybe three rookies I'm going to take, but Treadwell could be one of my guys. Now, next up, an ADP for MFL 10s, Josh Doxson, third, wide third rookie wide receiver going. Late seventh, early eighth, uh, right around the neighborhood of Tyler Lockett and Larry Fitzgerald in MFL 10 fantasy drafts. Uh, third wide receiver, as I said, taken by the Redskins, round one. Currently on their depth chart, they've got Deshaun Jackson, Pierre Garçon, both in front of whom, although I'm hearing some trade rumors with Garçon, plus uh, Jamison Crowder listed as fourth. Can't forget about pass catcher Jordan Reed and Chris Thomas coming out of the backfield. Lots of hype uh, in and around the draft about Doxson. Where do you stand with this kid? 
You know, I look at what they got going on over there. I see Jackson and Garcon gone. It, if they're not gone, if one of them are gone this year, both of them will be gone at the end of the season. My only concern with Doxon is is that wrist. I mean, he's ended up twice having to be sidelined with the wrist. Uh, he couldn't perform during uh, most of the uh, pass-catching drills uh, during the offseason this year because of the wrist itself. Mm-hmm. Very fluid route runner, though. That's what I like about this guy. You know he reminds me of as a blocker, though? And I am going way back in to the past to my AFL days, Bambi Lance Stalwart, who I consider to be one of the best crack blockers out there. That's what you see with this guy. His head is always on a swivel. And if you look at the success that they've had with their running game over the years, you know, when I got a, a wide receiver that sits out there and had 59 knockdown blocks in 10 games last year, yeah, this is the guy that I know that could do a lot for me when he does not have the ball in his hands. Well, that could bode well for uh, Matt Jones, right, coming out of the backfield, springing him on some big runs. I don't see Matt Jones starting for them this year. I see a trade going down over there with the Washington. I see Washington, New England, and Philadelphia still having problems with their running back unit. Yeah, that, a lot of talk about that. And uh, even in um, uh, Oakland as well with Latavius Murray there. Uh, although, I got to say, Philly, I'm really liking um, Matt Ryan out of Philly. Well, you know, I go back and I look at what Philly has going on with that coach, especially with the coach saying he's going to go with a running back by committee. I think yeah. you hurt yourself when you do this running back by committee thing. Me, I'd much rather put my it's a 240-pounder out there and have him run into the ground. Find myself another 240-pounder and throw him in and say, next man up. Well, uh, since we had a running back talk and we're talking about him a little bit, everybody's on Smallwood, but uh, last time we talked, you kind of turned me on to uh, Kenyon Barner as perhaps a backup there. Peterson likes him a lot. He thinks that this kid has some Warwick Dunn qualities to him. He was very impressed with him as a receiver coming out of the backfield. Kid really didn't get much of a chance. Uh, he didn't do well uh, at the combine the year that he came out. And then he had his coach over there that uh, relied more on Sproles last year, even though he had him back in college. All right. Uh, that's why I love Dave D. He's, uh can just fire off the stats and the knowledge at will. We had a uh, reviewer write in and, and say he loves you. Fire enough stats uh, like a machine gun belt, I believe, was the quote. So I thought that was pretty good. Well, if he loves me there, I hope he's a New York Giant fan because next up is the 2016 NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. Sterling Shepard. Love uh, this kid. On and off the field, Mo, I am telling you, him and Odell Beckham, the thing that they're going to have to do is make sure that Eli Manning doesn't get rotated cuff surgery because he's going to be throwing that ball deep, deep, deep on every play. Yeah, we're hearing now, I don't know if we should always trust stuff we're hearing out of OTAs, but a lot of really glowing reports coming out about Sterling Shepard right now. He's going in MFL 10, 7th, early 8th. Round going right around to Crabtree and a Marvin Jones. Uh, Giants, of course, took Shepard out of Oklahoma in the second round. As we said, Odell Beckham is there, and then you got what the one-legged kid Victor Cruz, maybe a, a sneaky uh, fantasy player, and Dwayne Harris down the line. Who knows? But uh, uh, I really like Shepard and uh, a fantastic route runner. That was one of the things I got from your report. Um, tell me some more about Sterling Shepard. Well, if you hold on one second here, Absolutely. I just pulled out my closet and put on my straight jacket, folks, because if I'm wrong on this, you could put a straight jacket on me at the end of the year. I'm predicting right now 70 receptions, 1,000 plus yards, double digit touchdowns for Sterling Shepard. I see this kid stepping right in along with Beckham. This is a guy that is not only a great receiver going deep, he has such great physicality going over the middle of the field. Reminds me of a cannibal. Every time he steps out there and sees that ball fly it's like yum yum eat him up <laughs> i like it i like the hot take well, the thing too that i like about sh- this kid is if i needed him to i could also use him on uh on my special teams now here's another thing that i love about him last year 83.5 percent of the passes thrown to him he caught i mean we got a kid that came off of an injury factor from the 2014 season it just blew apart the records over at oklahoma he's going to continue to do that in the nfl if there is any rookie uh, wide receiver that will start this year folks it will be sterling shepherd and 
one of the things you said, it's a very hard position to learn. It's hard to become that refined NFL route runner, but he is one of the best, is he not, at uh, his precision and his route running? When it comes to digesting a playbook, when it comes to learning the rudiments out there on the football field, this kid is the valedictorian in the 2016 class. Love the crispness in his routes. I love the way he breaks off. Rarely do you ever see any false steps with him. And look at the way he pulls that ball in over that outside shoulder. Big Blue fans, I'm telling you one thing right now. Make sure you show up with your nitrous oxide pills, man, because you're going to have a freaking heart attack with him and uh, Odell Beckham out there on the football field. All right, Big Blue fans, I'll meet you in the parking lot. Uh, <laughs> second half. Up and, next. We, go ahead. Go ahead, David. Well, one thing that you got to look at, too, with this team, this is a giant team that spent well over $200 million on veterans. They need the rookies to come through. What are we hearing coming out of camp? The two stars there, the guy on offense, Sterling Shepard, the guy on defense, the apple of my eye, Eli Apple. Yeah, Eli Apple drafted in the Big Apple, match made in heaven. Well, uh, Rogers Cromartie might as well stop uh, calling up the real estate people now and putting that house on the market because I don't see him around after this season. Ooh, wow. Uh, some some turnover there in Big Blue. And next we, we turn our attention down to Nolens. We've got Michael Thomas. He's currently going middle of the ninth round in MFL 10 ADP. Uh, that might be a little misleading as there are only three wide receivers going between Shepard and Thomas, those three being Crabtree, Marvin Jones, and uh, Stephen Diggs. New Orleans picked up Michael Thomas from Ohio State in the second round. Now, fantasy players, remember, we got 177 vacated targets in New Orleans, so we got some opportunity. On the depth chart, they've got Cooks, who had a fantastic second half of the season. they got my boy Sneaky Steed, and they got... Brandon Coleman, plus you got to remember, newly acquired pass-catching tight end Fleener and even Ingram coming out of the backfield, talking about Spiller being better this year. Uh, I hear there's some fast chemistry building between Michael Thomas and Drew Brees. Lots of hype. What do you think about Michael Thomas down in New Orleans? He needed a quarterback, and he couldn't have found a more precise and accurate one than Drew Brees. You know, you got Brandon Cooks, you got Willie Sneak, you got Brandon Coleman. He now has a quartet of youngsters that he could get the ball to. I, I'm not, I'm not drinking the the Kool Aid down there with them uh, bringing Robert Meacham in as being the veteran presence. I think Robert Meacham would actually hurt those kids more than help them. I think you leave them alone with Drew Brees, let them uh, learn on the Drew Brees, and you're going to have your an effective uh, receiving unit. But the numbers from last year weren't his fault. The problem I do have with him last year, though, man, is those incredible drops. Eight times he put the ball on the ground. Now, but drops, that can be coached. Can it not? I mean, that can change from year to year. Yeah, if Lester Hayes of the old Oakland Raiders is your coach and he puts stick-em on your hands, but if <laughs> okay. not, it, it all comes down to concentration. And yeah. one of the hardest things for these speed, uh, for these uh, deep threats is learning to let the ball in and absorb the ball before they turn and run. And that was the problem with Michael last year. I mean, most of his drops came after he had the ball in his hands. Let me see. Six out of the eight drops came which should have been caught balls the other two well he had to elevate for but when you're running and striding you drop the ball i got a little issue with that he's a good receiver but this is the type of guy that me i would have taken him in round three round two i think it's a little bit of a reach well here's another guy i'm, I'm curious about your take will fuller mfl 10 middle of the 11th round right around travis benjamin and willie sneed uh, we've got another rookie right in that area, too, coming up. Now, Will Fuller, my ex-Notre Dame field stretcher, was actually the second wide receiver taken in the NFL draft by the Texans. Of course, they've got DeAndre Hopkins, Cecil Shorts, fellow rookie Braxton Miller. they got Keith Mumphrey and Jalen Strong. Now, Rotowire currently has Fuller listed as starting across from Hopkins with Shorts in the slot. Uh, the idea is that the speedy Fuller is going to stretch the field. Now, Dave T., I'm a Notre Dame man. He played incredibly well last season, even after the starting QB went down. Talk to me about Fuller's talents. I've, I've heard some show concern that Fuller uses his body too much catching the ball. What is your take on Will Fuller? 
He could catch the ball with his shoes in his hand. I wouldn't care. Look what he did last year. I mean, he had 30 receptions last year for 20 yards or longer. Ten of them were for 35 yards or longer. When it comes to finding the end zone, he probably finds the end zone better than Sherlock Holmes will solve a case. Okay, people are saying he has small hands, blah, 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 but he pulls the ball in. And when you've got a big target on the other side in Hopkins, I'm telling you, though, the wild card, though, if I'm Cecil Schwartz right now, I'm looking over my shoulder because I think Braxton Miller is going to be simply outstanding handling the H-back duties for him. Braxton Miller is the wild card. Why? Because I could use him in a wild card formation. I could use him running the ball out of the backfield. And he could also return punts for me. If I had a waiver wire in a fantasy draft, I would go ahead and take Braxton Miller with one of my waiver claims. Well, while you hit on, while you touch on Braxton Miller, let's shift right over to him. Uh, being taken a little bit later, being drafted in the 14th round of MFL 10s. Now, again, guys, we're talking middle of June, so this is going to change. Right now, MFL 10s, you got a bunch of really sharp drafters going, so ADPs will change. But I'm living in the now, Dave T. Philip Dorsett. Devontae Adams going right around in that area, as is Kamar Aiken. Now, his ADP is on the rise with the health of uh, Steve Smith and Bashard Perryman. But Braxton Miller, taken in the third round of the NFL draft by the Texans. Remember, this guy was a, a quarterback for much of his time down in Ohio State, so he doesn't have that much time under his belt as a wide receiver, played mainly out of the slot last year. Of course, uh, the Texans, as we said, Hopkins, Shorts, Fuller, Mumphrey, Strong, all these guys there. So I hear you say Braxton Miller, not going to be just a gadget guy, but could be pushing shorts for some real serious playing time. Well, Shorts will see time out there on the field, but look at Osweiler and the success that he had when he was up at Denver. It was going to his H-backs. It was going to his tight ends. It was keeping the ball over the middle and then stretching the ball out with Sanders. What you're going to get with Miller is you're going to get that physical presence over the middle of the field. It's going to be like having two tight ends out there at the same time. The kid could block. The kid will do anything that you could want him to do. He's still a little bit raw on the route running, but if I'm only having him go in 18 yards downfield, how much could he screw up? I'm excited to see that offense under Bill O'Brien with uh, Lamar Miller there. He's a guy that I really love. I've got him ranked very high, but uh, great defense and an offense I'm really excited to see next year. And especially with that offensive line starting to come into the mold over there and with that defense, that defense is going to give you grand opportunity to score because they're going to give you great field position. Let me ask you this. Do you see that offense still – being heavily reliant on DeAndre Hopkins, or are they, I think Bill O'Brien wants to run. I think they're going to lean far more on Lamar Miller. What do you think? Yeah, but when you've got a deep threat like Will Fuller, you've got to at least give him a few looks at each game, because I am telling you one thing, this kid lives in the end zone. Yeah, I, I loved watching him for uh, the Golden Domers last year. Now, hang tight, gang. Just want to remind folks, uh, head on over to Pyromaniac. Dot com. We always have content a cracking, and you can pick up our draft kit, even become a Pyro Pro member. You get that for 40 bucks, 365 days of access, information available at pyromaniac.com. I am Pyromaniac Mo. I'm here with Dave T. Thomas talking rookie wide receivers, and the discussion rolls on after this. All right, guys, today we're joined with Dave T. Thomas. Check out his insight and analysis online at the nfldraftreport.sportsblog.com. We are continuing our rookie wide receiver discussion, and we're going to head on over to Cincinnati. Tyler Boyd, MFL 10 ADP, going in the 11th round. We skipped ahead a little bit just to pack up with uh, Houston, with Braxton Miller. So let's go back to the 11th round, Tyler Boyd. Uh, going right around Boyd, Marcus Wheaton, Devin Funches. Those are the wide receivers being taken in that neck, uh, in that neighborhood, along with uh, Will Fuller as far as MFL ADP is concerned. The Bengals took Tyler Boyd in the second round. Currently, they've got A.J. Green, of course, who I really sh shot up my rankings for uh, our fourth version of the draft kit. Of course, they got Brandon LaFell in front of them. Uh, there could be some opportunity there. Remember, Muhammad Sanu, Marvin Jones, they packed up left town with their 141 targets. Uh, former quarterback coach, now offensive coordinator, Ken Zampese, is going to be running the offense as Hugh Jackson took his show on the road to Cleveland. 
So, Dave T. Boyd. Tyler Boyd. Do you like his skill set going in with uh, the Bengals? If I'm playing him inside, yes. If I'm playing him outside, no. He's not a type of guy that's going to stretch the field too much for you. He's the type of guy that I need that will go out there, man, and just move the ball. The big thing I like about him is versatility. He carried the ball coming out of the backfield. He could also handle return skills. Uh, he did very well last year. Say he caught 72% of the passes that were thrown to him, and he still was playing with a few injuries out there. The big thing I don't like about him, though, is you're not going to see too many of the big scoring opportunities coming out of him. Okay, he did score 11 touchdowns last year, but if you look at what he does out there on the football field, he's not going to be the type of guy to get those 20, 30-yard plays. I mean, if you look at him, only 30% of the passes he ever caught during his career gained at least 10 yards. 10.99% of his passes gained 20 yards or more during his career. That's not exactly our aspiring numbers. Case in point, look at Will Fuller. 30.65% of his passes caught were for 20 yards or longer. 62.9% of the passes caught were for 10 yards or longer. That's what I need if I'm looking for an outside man. An inside man, I could take a chain mover. The Pyromaniacs, this is one reason I love Dave Teen. If you're taking notes, you should right now. Put a little asterisk by Tyler Boyd and Will Fuller. Know well, your fantasy league, ladies and gentlemen. If you're in a league that has long touchdowns, Will Fuller's your man. If you're in a league that scores long, long touchdowns and rewards points for longer touchdowns, Tyler Boyd should be falling in your rankings. What now, say, one David? thing I want you guys to look at is training camp progresses. There's two rookie free agents that Cincinnati has in there. Understand, they lost Jones and Sano. The kid from Wisconsin is just dazzling them, Alex Erickson. And then you go back and look at the Toledo kid, Alonzo Russell. I think you might have three rookies making it if they keep five wideouts wow. this year. Wow, that's a lot of competition there, especially, as you said, with the uh... – uh, the two guys, Sanu and Jones, leaving town. Lots of uh, open spots there in Cincinnati. Well, Boyd and Russell also have special team skills, so that would negate Brandon Tate from their roster anyway. So you turn around, you look at LaFell, you look at A.J. Green, Boyd, Russell, Erickson, and maybe even James Wright. Let me ask you, how do you think Ken Zampese is going to do replacing Hugh Jackson as the offensive coordinator? Outstanding. I think that what he's going to come in, he's going to bring a fresh face over there. No knock on you, but you is a quarterback coach. The thing I like about Zampezi, Zampezi uses his weapons. He's like a field general out there. You would stick to his game plan. Zampezi is very flexible, and he will change on a minute's notice out there on the football field. And his relationship with Andy Walton is phenomenal. His relationship with Green is stupendous. He's got a good he, – he's what they call the player's coach, and it will carry yeah. over to his D.C. role. Me, I see Zampezi another year or so. He'll be running his own show. Wow, great. And uh, that should be good. I mean, especially how well he knows the Red Rifle Andy Dalton being his quarterback coach should well, continue that progress. Well, look what's going on over there. Uh, Marvin wanted uh, Hugh Jackson to stick around and said, why don't we do a succession factor? The front office wasn't down for that. So that tells me right now that Marvin Lewis is looking to step out the door if he was looking to make Jackson his successor. What better yeah. successor there than Sam Pisi? I like it. I like it. Leonte Crew, MFL 10s. He's going basically back to the 11th, 12th round. Uh, in that neighborhood, we're talking a Tory Smith, Sammy Coates going right there. Now, many folks are a bit disappointed with the fact he landed in Miami. They took him in the third round on the depth chart. Carew is facing PPR darling Jarvis Landry, Devontae Parker, who many expect to take a big step this year, plus deep threat Kenny Stills. What do you think of Carew, and does playing for Miami work against him? Playing in the NFL works against him. Walking down the street <laughs> walks against him. I mean, outside of Kenny Britt, I haven't seen a guy that has felony on his shirt written more often than Leontay Carew. I think that this is a guy that off the field needs to grow up. On the field, he had some injury factors last year. Yeah, he's a good receiver and everything else, but he only caught 54% of the passes thrown to him last year. I'm not going to get excited about that, especially when I'm staring at a Landry, Stills, and Parker in front of me. If he's yeah. going to eke any playing time away from that trio over there, it's going to be due to an injury. Okay. Well, but Miami really drafting some uh... – 
guys with some character issues. Yeah, but they got a wild card over there. The former quarterback, Tyler Murphy, I think that this kid is going to start coming into his own. Me, I would stash him on the practice squad next year, but to me, I look at Murphy as a Julian Edelman type of ball player. Is he ready to step into the limelight next year? Maybe not, but I would at least either keep him on the bench or keep him on my practice squad to let him gel. Another kid I like is their sixth rounder, Jakeen Grant. I think these are the type of guys that I'm looking at more right now than Carew because I think Carew is going to be a troublemaker himself. All right. That's uh, the kind of stuff that is good to know. Now, uh, you mentioned Edelman. Malcolm Mitchell, MFL 10s, going back half of the 14th round. Vincent Jackson and fellow Patriot Chris Hogan are the wide receivers going right after Mitchell. The Patriots took this Bulldog wide receiver in the fourth round. Of course, they've got Edelman, uh, Amendola, newly acquired pass catchers, Chris Hogan, Nate Washington. Can't forget about Aaron Dropson and even Keyshawn Martin. Now, we've seen several receivers not be able to cut the mustard with Wild Bill and the Josh McDaniels offense. Malcolm Mitchell, is he packing uh, the right condiment cutting tool? In other words, is he good enough to cut the Patriot mustard? Well, you look at one thing, though, the hidden fact that it will probably earn him a roster spot more than his receiving skills, his special team's ability. This guy is one crazy kamikaze out there on the football field. Still, you're looking at a ball player that came back last year after only playing in one game the previous season because of an ACL tear. I say people with the wide receivers, the big thing I have to see on those guys, judge them two years after they're coming back from a RICO surgery. I think this is a good pickup for them. Uh, if you look around that roster, I think if Bill could, he would probably end up drafting 53 tight ends, but somebody has to catch the ball outside of those guys i think what you're going to look at with this kid do not be surprised if you see him playing some a little bit in a dying package on defense this was a kid that was actually recruited by georgia because of his two-way playing ability he was a four-star uh, uh recruit as a cornerback on top of it you look at new england they like versatility with the guys his chance of making a squad he has a decent chance of making the squad but it will have to come down to his special team's ability all right, uh, not exactly what you want to hear for the fantasy world. Uh, up next, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty gang. We got Pharaoh Cooper, uh, ADP, middle of the 15th. Now, Muhammad Sanu, Kendall Wright, those are the wide receivers being taken right in the neighborhood of Pharaoh Cooper. Of course, the Los Angeles Rams took him in the fourth round. Remember, we're talking about the Rams, people, tied for third fewest pass attempts in 2015. Currently on the roster, they got Kenny, show me the way to the military base Brit, uh, Tavon Austin, Brian Quick, and fellow rookie Mike Thomas from Southern Miss. Uh, what do you think about Pharaoh Cooper, and is there enough passing pie to go around for him to eat at the Rams' table? Man, uh, Austin, to me, still has not learned how to run a route. Brian Quick can't stay on the football field, and when he does, you know, you really don't get that much from him. Kenny Britt, I mean, you go back and look at him. This is why they signed him to one-year contracts because of all of his off-field issues. Uh, you look at some of the guys that they brought in, give it a second chance to. One guy that I'm real curious to see if he finally gets his act together is Duke Williams, the kid out of Auburn that was booted out of the school. You got Mike Thomas from Southern Mississippi there, Nelson Spruce, Paul McRoberts, uh, an FCS guy that I really like, especially for his return ability. Marquez North coming over from Tennessee. There's a lot of bodies out there. Something will fall from the fray, but I look at them keeping five wideouts. Uh, Lose and Stedman Bailey, whose career is probably over with, they'll probably end yeah. up keeping three rooks this year. Yeah, they've been doing some cool stuff with Bailey. They, they signed him as a coach, I believe, uh, uh, doing some stuff to help him out medically for uh, what he's gone through. So that's, that's good for uh, Fisher and the organization, I thought. But, uh, you know, you look at what they brought in. They just bounty full of uh, uh, free agent wide receivers there. And yeah. if I had to take two out of that bunch, I'm looking at Spruce, I'm looking at Williams and saying those two can make it along with Cooper. Thomas has an excellent ability to make it too. Sooner or later, they're going to realize that their 2012 second round draft pick is a waste. Yeah. Well, all right. Uh, and like you say, I say, you got to keep in mind where he's playing. Not a bunch of passing numbers going around there in uh, Los Angeles. They got Gurley. Uh, Fisher's always been a, a ground-and-pound kind of coach. Now, we've got uh, up next, Mr. Sharp. That's Taja Sharp, 17th round, ADP. We're talking Terrence Williams country. Reuben Randall, but of course Reuben Randall's been getting a lot of hype at uh, Philly OTAs. 
Now, Taja Sharp was taken by Tennessee, first pick of the fifth round. Uh, one reason I like Marietta, A, two reasons I like Marietta. A, uh, his untapped running ability, and B, all the weapons they have. I'm talking Kendall Wright, free agent uh, signing, Rashard Matthews coming on over from Miami. Uh, one time, third wide receiver standout in the Falcons organization, Harry Douglas, and of course the hype train that is Doriel Green Beckham, plus they've got uh, Justin, Assault and Battery Hunter, and Trey McBride. What do you think of Sharp in Tennessee? I think Sharp will end up making it, and it will come down to a coin toss if they're going to keep Hunter or Douglas. Douglas has been banged up, and also you have to look at his salary cap numbers. Green Beckham is a star there. That's the guy that's going to blow yeah. them apart this year. If anybody has a chance to pick this guy up, that is probably one of the best receivers to pick up in this draft. Sharp, uh, Sharp is a good wideout, a good guy to stretch the field. His problem is his blocking ability, but for a fifth-round draft pick, yeah, I could see him coming in. Uh, Hunter really has not panned out in the last two years, and I think this is going to be a training camp where he's either going to have to make a great impression or, like I said, it will come down to him and Douglas for that fifth spot. Yeah, with uh, malarkey there, right, I hear uh, some statisticians looking back, and he really does on his teams like to key in on one pass catcher, uh, one wide receiver, I should say. Of course, they've got Delaney Walker, who was just fantastic last year. But Doriel Beckham Green, or Doriel Green Beckham, uh, 18% of the offense of the offensive passes were going to him in the second half last year. So that bodes well for Doriel Green Beckham. I'm liking him and a lot of fantasy drafters are as well. I hear you saying you like this kid. Oh, I love him. I mean, and then you turn around and you toss in Matthews, who's great working underneath. And then you got Kendall yeah. Wright coming out of the slot. They got a good, a good array of talent over there. Once they get themselves settled in that running back unit, uh, if you look at the running back unit, it might take away from their wide receivers a little bit because they have so much talent coming out of that backfield. Well, and that's another reason all the talent there I think is going to – I don't know if I necessarily want to have a uh, wide receiver from the team, although DGB would be my man, but that's one reason I really like Marietta. Uh, I think, as I said, unused running ability and lots of places for him to go, some shiny new toys. Uh, Mariotta just has to learn to let the game slow down. His problem was coming out of Oregon where uh, they were basically speed merchants over there. Uh, the game caught up with him last year, and you saw the struggles that he had in the pocket. I think this is going to be a different type of Mariotta this year. I think he's going to do a lot of more progression reads, and that's what he's really going to need to do, especially with that receiving unit he has. All right, we got... Two more wide receivers, uh, Richard Higgins, early 17th round. Again, ADP, we're talking 20 rounds for MFL 10. So your last few rounds, you're taking uh, your defense and some flyers. Richard Higgins going in the 17th, right around Mike Wallace. Now, there's a kid I love in best ball formats with all the Ravens new, uh, injury news. Also going right around there is Ted Ginn Jr. And uh, in the last week, Higgins just actually moved ahead of Sharp. So he's rising. Richard Higgins drafted by the Browns in the fifth round kind of buried on the depth chart right now we talked about the browns a little bit earlier again andrew hawkins we talked about the rookie Corey coleman gabriel Pryor, marlon moore uh josh gordon Whew, is a case unto himself uh but what do you think about higgins all those hands and not an arm to throw the ball to them <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Higgins I liked. Uh, he was another type of kid coming out of Colorado State, broke all the records there. Everybody liked him. Everybody got good times on him till we got him to Indy. All of a sudden, the 4-4-3 guys run the 4-7 and change. That's why he slid down to the fifth round. But he's a good receiver, good pass catcher. I think that this is the type of guy, if I'm looking at Ricardo Lewis, if I'm looking at Jordan Payton, I think easily he beats them out for a job. Now, we, we talked a little bit about uh, Johnny Football and Josh Gordon. Uh, rumor was for a while they were couch surfing or living together. Dave T., I, I think we might have a reality hit on our hands here if we can just get a camera in there and uh, Josh Gordon, Manziel, and let the hijinks ensue. What do you think? You know, going back and looking at Cleveland, we have what we call uh, during a draft. I'm more of an anti-draft analyst, but we do put, uh, put up what we call our draft value board. Out of their 14 selections, only two of their selections even came close to meeting the draft value of them. I don't know. I looked at their entire draft, and to be honest with you, it was like, okay, we took this guy in one. Well, I would have taken him in two. We took that guy in two. Well, I probably would have taken him in four. And it just kept on going that way. 
I mean, either those baseball men all of a sudden suddenly got smarter in football, or we're going to see a lot of strikeouts when it comes to their draft this year. Yeah, interesting to see them going uh, heavy analytics with uh, Sashi Brown there now, of course, coming from the baseball world. But it seems like they paid a bunch for analytics last year, told them to go with Bridgewater and all that money they put into the study, and they just tossed that to the side and went with Manziel anyway. So yeah, They need to hire Henny Youngren to run that front office and just tell everybody, <laughs> take my people, please. <laughs> I like it. I don't know if our, our Cleveland fans are going to love it, but they're used to uh, – they're, they're used to such slander. Now, last guy, Kyrus Garrett. Let's just do him real quick. He's the last guy being taken in uh, MFL 10s, going towards the seven, uh, end of the 17th round. We're talking an undrafted free agent picked up by Carolina. He's the type of big, wide receiver they like in Carolina. What do you think about Kyrus Garrett? You know, I was shocked the kid wasn't drafted. I mean, he led the nation in receptions, was one of the top receivers in yardage, shows up at the combines and did uh, at least in the top six in each of the agility tests, and then he's sitting on the board. There was nothing that came back in the medical. There was nothing that came back in the cup on the guy. And the next thing you know, he's not drafted. I mean, we'll go back and look at Jalen Marshall from Ohio State, another case in point. And meanwhile, now the Jets won't throw him back into the pile. They gave him the most money on the free agent market of any receiver out there. You look at the Giants. The Giants might have a sleeper out of California and Darius Poe. You turn around and look at Houston. Houston, oh my God, I forgot to talk about the sleeper up at Houston. That's a tight end that they're converting to wide receiver out of California also in Steven Anderson. I really like the rookie free agents that are out there at the wide receiver spot and Garrett falls right into that mold. I think we're going to see a lot of these guys that are going to finish the season and say, I told you so. And that's my bunch of guys that I'm telling people you better watch in training camp. Well, this is a conversation I want to wrap up with. Uh, folks, we're talking to Dave T. Thomas, NFL scout. So he's got the goods. So, so who else do you like that either was undrafted free agent or guys we didn't talk about? Of course, we talked about guys that MFL 10 folk are drafting. Tell us, Dave. In the fantasy world, who should we be paying attention to that we're not currently looking at? Okay, the Giants pick up Sterling Shepard, but they bring in this kid, six foot three, two hundred twenty pounds, that runs a four four two in Darius Poe. And every one of my people up at the Giants are telling me he's a keeper. You go look at Jalen Marshall with the Jets. Okay, here's a kid that should have stayed in school. If he would have stayed in school, probably would have been a first round draft pick. But here's a guy that they may even use as a running back. This is a guy that's already won their punting kickoff return duties, just stepping into training camp itself. Cincinnati, they lose those two guys. They bring in Erickson from Wisconsin, Alonzo Russell from Toledo, and then Anderson down at Houston. And let's not forget this kid out of Colorado State. Everybody talked about Higgins there, but his wingman only stood five foot nine, 168 pounds, and the Raiders right now are saying that Joe Hensley has as good of opportunity in making our roster than any receiver we had not named Cooper. Wow, so we've got uh, Anderson in Houston, Poe with the Giants, Marshall with the Jets, and Hansley at the Raiders. Uh, four names currently not on fantasy radars that Dave T. Thomas is backing from uh, this year's crop of rookie wide receivers. Sir, uh, it is always a pleasure talking to you. Uh, if, you know what? I'm going to turn this over to you. Any, I know we've pretty much covered them all. But uh, anything else that you wanted to uh, get off your get off your conscience? If we were in a confessional here, Dave, anything uh, else that's uh, on your mind? We are knee deep in 2017 draft already. Watching our film. If you go up to my site Monday afternoon, not, uh, right now we have on the construction the tailbacks are up there. I'm putting up the wide receivers and tight end ratings. Every redshirt sophomore, junior, and senior eligible for the 2017 draft will have a number attached to them. I'm looking at this draft, though. I'm going back and looking at the 2017 draft. Mo, eight out of my ten top guys are underclassmen at the position. The wow. only two seniors that I'm really impressed with right now is Corey Davis out of Western Michigan and Chehu Chesson out of Michigan. But my two top guys, one of them makes Miles Jack look mild. And his name is Dory <laughs> Jackson, my number one cornerback and my number two wide receiver on the board, the 60-minute man. 
hey, Dave T., that's, you know, we're going to be checking in with you next, talking quarterbacks. We're going to have a tight end discussion down the line. We're going to be talking to you from camps uh, a little bit later on in the summer. But we're also going to schedule some uh, college discussions to let the fantasy players know which guys to be looking at because we often falter there. We don't really start even looking at these guys until the draft. And I want to check in with you this year during the season. Let us know who we should be watching come Saturday. So uh, great information there. Well, Mo, hey, anytime I'm on with you, man, back with my people from the tri-state area, it allows me to say things like D's and those. (laughs) Dave D., it is always a pleasure talking to you, sir. We're going to be checking back again with you with the the quarterback talk next week. So, Dave, uh, until the next time, I certainly appreciate it. Well, folks, I just want to give you one hint. If you're looking for a franchise quarterback next year, go play that game with your granddaughter or with your daughter. It's called Go Fish. All right. We're going to check in on those uh, quarterbacks next week. Again, guys, Dave T. Thomas runs scouting services. He's an NFL talent evaluator and scouting personnel consultant for many teams across the NFL. Check out Dave T. Thomas's work online at nfldraftreport.sportsblog.com. Guys, it is always a pleasure when I get to talk to Dave T. We're going to have him back very soon to talk quarterbacks. We're going to be talking tight ends. We're going to check in with Dave from training camps what they when they get going, so stay tuned for that. Plus, we're going to even start talking some uh, college in the months to come. That is where Dave excels, and we're going to check in with him to let you know who you should be keeping an eye on, especially you uh, dynasty drafters as the college season approaches. And then, of course, for what we all live for in this degenerative game, the fantasy drafts. Until the next time, guys, we are going to catch you on the flip side. You were young